Blog Talk Radio. Actually, you know, I, I've been on mute the entire time. Gina, are you there? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? I don't hear anything. I'm, I'm <laughs> like, um, I've been, I'm like, this is a first. I've been, I, I just realized I have myself on mute for three minutes. Damn. Okay. Let me just start this over. Well done. You can say all me. Okay, for those of you who didn't realize, I had myself on mute for three minutes. So you pretty much heard uh, Dice Pineapples of the musical for three minutes, jamming, wondering, okay, I like the music. Um, when, when are we going to hear the voice himself? So, okay, let's just bring <laughs> it back again. Um, so let's just, let's just put an intro. 
And I just reintroduced myself here. Okay. <laughs> now I'm not on mute. Uh, <laughs> thank y'all for tuning in on a Tuesday night. This is Scott Berg, not on mute. <laughs> All right. So anyway, in case you don't know where to find me, go to www.theclowntimes.net. That's clowns spelled with K. And find me on Facebook as well by searching the same thing. And remember, folks, if you have a podcast like me or if you have a radio show, please do not forget to take your ass off mute. And you'll be all right. Now then. All right. So, everyone, here is Janina Reed from Real Tennis Fans YouTube podcast. Hello, Janina. I'm not on mute anymore. How are you doing? I'm very proud of you for figuring out that little snafu so quickly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so fucking embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. I thought, wow. Anyway, anyway, before I make a real big of a fool of myself, let's <laughs> just get to it since I'm now no longer on mute. All right. So, let's start with the women's final, shall we? We all thought that Serena oh. Williams would, would win a 24th major. Unfortunately for all of us, well, well, most of us out there, she got an ass kicked. 6 2 6 2 by Simona Halep, who won her first uh, Wimbledon and her second major, so congrats to her. She was like a pinball machine the entire match. I, I mean, I was thinking that Simona Halep, a, a track star, is it just to a tennis star or not? Or not. She's a zipper back all over the place and just made Serena just look slow and tired. So give me your thoughts on the, the match. Was it more or less? How about just beating her ass or just Serena just giving up the ghost seemingly to her? So, <laughs> Simona Halep played the match of her life. Uh, she beat Serena Williams in under one hour. She had three unforced errors the entire match. Mm. So, well mm. done, yeah. Simona. However, yeah. Serena oh, however. played like shit. <laughs> She didn't move her feet. Right. She couldn't find her serve. She couldn't hit the ball in the court if she even got it over the goddamn net. It was ugly. <laughs> it was ugly. Um, talked about this extensively on my podcast. Uh, we had some very different opinions about what's going on with her. It is um, – I I personally believe that she clearly has some kind of mental block happening when she gets to the final of a major. There's so much pressure on her to get to this number 24 that has never been put on anyone ever. Um, And I think, you know, after when she was going for it the first time and, and you don't get it, okay, fine. But we have seen her pretty much choke or have some kind of just complete mental breakdown that that disallows her from playing the brand of tennis that we know she's capable of three times now. And it's not a good look because Serena, when Serena Williams plays her best tennis, nobody beats her. She couldn't even find her C or D game on Sunday. Like, I mean, she looks like shit. That was so great. when you've got a player, oh, so ugly. When she, when you have a person show up and they play their best match ever 
and you know you've got the greatest one of the greatest champions of the world that looks like she doesn't even remember how to play tennis. It's just not a good look. It's really fucked up. Serena looked worse than she than she had to look, you know. Um, but I really, I, I think so. I, I think it's a combination of two things. She clearly just has a tremendous amount of pressure on her, and she um, is. It's a mental thing. However, if we look at what she's been doing over the last few years, I mean, granted there was you know a baby break in there and everything. Um, Right. She doesn't play much tennis to begin with. She never has. And now since she has come lot. back, no. And now that she's come back, she's playing even less. She did not play a warm-up tournament to Roland Garros. She did not play a warm-up tournament to Wimbledon. She kind of played a warm-up tournament in Australia, but some people would argue that because she played Hopman Cup in that Although people tend to take it seriously and try to perform their best, it's not um, a tour-level tournament. It's technically an exhibition. So, I don't know, it's kind of weird. People don't take it seriously and give it credit. Uh, I think she needs to play more. I just think she needs some match play. She did not look good all of Wimbledon. She had moments of greatness, but she mostly had moments of shittiness. And when you work your way through a tournament and you get to the end, you know, the closer you get to the end, well, your opponents are clearly playing well because they're getting there as well. So you can hide your shit tennis when your opponent is shit too in the beginning, in the early rounds, in week right. one. It's not as noticeable because the people that you're playing against aren't that good. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I really just feel like I feel like she was exposed for not having had match play, and I think that she's got to do something with what's going on in between her head because she, yeah. as bad as she played, okay. On Sunday, as yeah. bad as she played on Sunday, it was far worse than we saw her the entire tournament. She clearly has some type of mental issue going on about getting over that hump. Uh, it's weird to me. But I think that if she yeah. plays more, I think I think if she plays more tennis and she plays uh. and she wins, because when Serena wins tour-level events outside of Grand Slams, she wins Grand Slams. Well, she's hardly playing. And I think if she can play more and get into the habit of winning again, then that's going to help her win again in a Grand Slam. It's almost like she gets there and she's so caught up in the moment, she forgets how to perform. So I think she just needs to go backwards a little bit and win some of that little shit so that she can get some confidence back. Because she's not playing and she's not winning anything. Yep. You know, it, it's a it's a trip because this is the same Serena who we used to seeing just bash people's souls in the finals, right? I mean, on her way to twenty three, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, it's we see her from time to time, like like over the years. And to your point, when she plays, when she's on the egg game, there's no one even close that could compete with that. And right. to see her just have the yips. The last few times in the most recent finals, it's it's just it's it's baffling for a person who's so yeah. really so strong 
mentally in the past to, for her to come up short. And, you know, it could be, like, your point that she just doesn't have, I don't know if it's rust. I don't know that, that she doesn't, that, you know, I mean, you figure that she's been doing this shit for so long that this should be, like, old hat to her. You know what I mean? So that's why it's just, like, even well, with her she doesn't play much tennis, you know, like, leading up to the, to, to the majors, that why she seems like she forgets how to win when and not play her best. Like, you know, with, with just, you know, what's up? Let us not forget that she's mm-hmm. 37. She's 37 yeah. years old. <laughs> so right. there was a there was a time where when she was younger and fitter, and you know what, Serena is fit. Serena is fit as fuck, but she used to be yeah. fitter. She played more, you know, and she probably focused on her fitness more. I mean, she's got a lot of things going on outside of tennis, and that's great, right. but – She's older. She's as good as she is. She's still lost a step here and there. She, the days right. are gone to where she, she used to, she used to be able to do this all the time. And um, I think it's one of the things that, you know, people, especially superstars who have done something all along, one of the things that they don't get credit for, like in terms of speaking of just tennis, Roger Federer's game is constantly changing, and the way that he does things constantly changes. His warm-up routine, how many t- hours a day that he's practicing, over the years, that has consistently changed to suit his life. Serena has consistently not played a lot of tennis, not played a warm-up tournament, and been able to be rusty in the beginning but be on her A game by that final and win. Well, honey, you're older now. You might need a little more practice. I'm going to need you to play a little bit more, <laughs> just a little bit. And, you right. know, I mean, I, I think we have to take that into consideration. She's 37 years old. That's that's an old athlete, no matter how you look at it. I don't care how great she still is. When you are talking in terms of a professional athlete, that is old. It's old. So, of course, you're going to have to put in a yeah, little extra work. Spoiled. I just think we just – I've been so spoiled. I think most of us have been so spoiled by her and Venus, to a certain extent, her, their excellence, you know, um, like for the past, like, several years. It's just that mm-hmm. we shouldn't forget that father time – it's undefeated and untied, you know. Uh, right. You know, and it's just, it's just, it's just you, we want to see Serena get that 24, you know, so that people will shut the hell up about Margaret Court and her. Well, but you know what? Know, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not going to shut up about Margaret Court. You know, when when she gets that 24, it's going to be can she get to 25? And not only tie it, but beat it. When she gets to 25, if she gets to 25, they're going to say, well, you know, Martina Navratilova has this many singles, doubles, mixed doubles, blah, blah, blah combined. Is she going to get to that? I mean, there's always going to be something. I think that we have to appreciate her for who she is, what she's done already. And, you know, everything, everything that we get after this is a bonus. These athletes that are this old and are still playing at the top level of their sport, it is a bonus. It doesn't matter. Her legacy has already been solidified. You know, nobody can take away from her what she's already done. We're lucky right. that she's still playing tennis. <clears throat> you know, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't, 
if she wins if she wins five more majors, listen, she is a black woman in America. They're going to find another record that she has to break in order for her to be. They will make one up. They will be like, but you didn't win it hopping on one leg with a patch over yeah. your left eye. Yeah. A one arm tie behind your back, right? Some shit like that. Something. <laughs> yes. It's just too bad that they don't appreciate it. I mean, I say this every time I talk to you, but it's just, it's just, it's just a shame. That's, I, 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 I'm sorry, like, like, like I started a fire on the source when I told some friends on Facebook that, you know, if, 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 if a Serena was blonde and a different mm-hmm. complexion that she would be getting so much out of Lacia in this country, I mean, because she's already American and she's dominant. It's just, it's just, I mean, especially like during the time where, um, where, uh, um, that the Russian young lady, I forget her name, but when she Sharapova, when her Sharapova was winning her four or five, she was she has so many old endorsers in this country. And I'm like, this is like yeah. huge, like four, six or seven years ago. I'm like, this is a damn shame. And she's yeah. not, that that our old athlete's not getting any love like this. And but mm-hmm. it is what it is. I know I talk mm-hmm. about like again, it's something to you, like I tell tell some blue in the face, but. They'll just regret it. They'll regret it when she, when uh, Serena retires and Venus goes, and, and Venus retires as well, and they just think, well, damn, <laughs> we're not going to see this type of dominance ever again, probably. And at least, at least well, on the American side, it isn't even going to matter that they're not going to have anybody to dominate because they don't have anybody that puts asses in seats. Right. There is not another woman that people are right now are interested in seeing play. There's not. There is no one that fills seats like Serena Williams. Serena sells seats, Federer sells seats. Sharapova sells seats, right. and she ain't playing anymore. So, you know, right. it's just Yeah, I I don't I don't know. It's I'm I'm disappointed in the outcome. Um I wish I could tell you that I'm happy for Simona Halep. I'm not. I don't really care. You know, she's a good player. Um, I'm not surprised that she won, um, but I don't care about her. I don't give two shits about Simona Halep. She, she, she's, a, she's a player that, you know, you don't know what you're going to get any, when she shows up on court either. She may, she may beat herself all the time. Uh, she's not going to be a dominant person. She's already uh, held the number one ranking, at, you know, for – a minute. Um, she's already won a Grand Slam title, and then she just kind of goes away, and then she'll show up again. Like, I don't, you know, she's not going to be the next big thing. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's disappointing. It's just it's disappointing because clearly there's something more going on with Serena than just tennis. And you know, yeah. a, a group of people have done that to her. And it's right. kind of sad. Yeah, well, one more thing about Serena. I did love the way she, like, stood up. Well, I don't even want to say set up to, to, to the um, reporter who asked her a question about her fight for equality in terms of women mm-hmm. fighting for it. I think that was in response to what Billie Jean King said. And if Billie Jean King really did say something to that effect, that's very disappointing considering what Billie Jean King stood, stood for. But that quote, well, the day I stopped fighting, 
party for for people who that look like you and me will be the day that I'm in my grave. Uh, but I think yeah. you're about to go off on that. Go ahead. Get, well, she, you know, the response was great. She shut down like she should have, and she actually got up and walked out. That was the end of the press conference after that. Um, however, Billie Jean King did make a statement, but it wasn't quite that. So that's, a, you know, it was unfair of the question to be framed the way that it was. Um, it was okay. more along the lines of shouldn't, you know, maybe it would be good if she just focused on her tennis. The, the other shit was, it was extra. So, you know, um, but again, like, Serena does not get love from the press, <laughs> period, period. She just, she doesn't. Um she probably never will. I think I know who asked that question. And she's not someone that I respect very much. Um, she, <laughs> she, she, I mean, I've never met her, but, um, you know, there's, there's this thing out there called white girl feminism. And we saw it on full display at Wimbledon this year. Because we see awesome. people asking questions like uh, this, you know, to Serena. Maybe you should focus on your tennis instead of, you know, trying to be a trailblazer for women or people of color. Um, but you had Joanna Conta, who, you know, the British player who just got her ass beat and, and the press ripped her apart. And she's like, don't you patronize me. And I think that you're being unfair and blah, 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 blah which is all true and fine, but when the press treats Serena like that, nobody comes to her defense, players included. You know, oh, they treat you like this, and all of a sudden it's not okay. But where were you when they were treating your colleague like this? And Catherine Whitaker, journalist from, you know, England, where were you when Serena was being treated unfairly at the U.S. Open last year? You were up on your fucking soapbox telling us how – you know, her behavior was unbecoming and unnecessary, and she deserved everything that she got. So I'm not, you know, I'm not here for that. I'm not. I mean, you're either going to be supportive of women as a whole and lift them up, um, but you're not going to pick and choose and leave the black one out. Nope, I'm not here for that shit. Put me in a room with her. I dare you. Oh. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, are you going to charge a mission for that? <laughs> <laughs> this is a pay per view event that I should be keeping an eye out for. This is a business opportunity. I'm just saying. Yeah. Tennis is very selective in who they choose to support and what situation. And what is fair for one person may not be fair for the next. And it's really, really. Um, it's archaic is what it is. It's just fucking right. archaic. Well, sometimes I wonder we'll how can I love a here. sport so much that, like, does this. But I do. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it's like I do. It doesn't want to look back. Um, yeah, let's get to this one final thing, especially since I lost a bet on this. Um, Federer did get to the final. He did beat my guy, Rafa. He didn't pretty handle it. Matter of fact, and um, but he better. lost epic. But he, but he, but he, uh, he lost an epic five setter to Djokovic, and I honestly thought that the OG himself, Federer, was going to take this go home. But 
He lost in the, in the he back, you know, 13, 12, Motherfucker, three, but... He should have won that in straight sets. <laughs> that should have been a straight really? set win. The first set, oh, absolutely. The first set was tight. It was great tennis. Right. Um, it went to the tiebreaker. Right. Federer forgot how to play right. tennis, and he loses the tiebreaker. Next set, he wins um, 6-1 or 6-2. Third set, it's tight again. They play great yeah. tennis. I told you, they play good matches. I told you this. Um, they get to the tiebreaker, and again, Federer forgets how to fucking play tennis. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he was just making bad choices, really, really bad choices. However... When this motherfucker served for the match, he not – okay, so we're in the fifth set, and I was yeah. like, ooh, I don't like this. He's serving second, which means he's going to have to win three games in a row in order to win when you serve second. That's what you've got to do because you're going to have to win your game, you're going to have to break your opponent, and then you're going to have to win another game right after that. That's no easy task against anybody, let alone Novak Djokovic, who is the best returner in the world. So I'm like, I don't like this. Well, somehow he manages to get broken, then break Novak, serve for the match, be up 40-15, and I'm like, Oh my god, the old man's gonna fucking do it. Like I'm thinking, can't wait to rub Scotty's face in this shit and the first match point, gone. Gone. I'm like, that's all right. Not a big deal. He's got another one. Gone. And I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? And then we're back to Deuce and then he gets broken and I knew right then I was like, That's it. Because he's not he'd already broken Djokovic twice in that set alone. And I knew the tiebreak was coming up, and you know, and of course, that's huge because this is the first time that rule is in place. Um, right. This year is the first time, so you know, if we if we happen to get to twelve all, then we're going to play this tiebreak. They get to twelve all, and I'm like, fuck it, he hasn't played a good tiebreak the entire time. And lo and behold, we get to the tiebreak, and Federer doesn't know how to fucking play tennis again. And I'm like, you stupid motherfucker. Like, I, that just, it didn't do anything but piss me off. Like, that I mean, I love. You know what it might be? <laughs> you uh, might have to get the bleep uh, button out. I don't know. But uh, that was pathetic. That was a pathetic showing because you know what? Federer also is 37 years old. He will be 38 in a matter of days. His birthday is early right. August. So he's really knocking on the door to 38. He that's probably his last Wimbledon final ever. I mean, I hope people understand what they just saw. He is he may play next year. So next year is the twenty twenty Olympics in Tokyo, right? I know he wants to right. play those. I know Serena wants to play there. I just wants to play there. I do not expect any of them to play the next year. I think I feel like and I felt like this last time, but people were a little bit younger. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like there's going to be this mass retirement of stars of tennis after this next Olympics. There's, what, what else is there? You, can, I mean, you can't do this forever. Your body's not going to last that long. This time next year, Serena and Federer and Venus will all be pushing forty. Venus will be forty. So, right. How, I mean, really, how much do they have left? So, you know what, Roger Federer, fuck you. That match was. In your hands, you lost it. it. You know, 
there was there this we, we've seen this before. We saw this at the U.S. Open in a semifinal, not a final, against Djokovic. Right. However, when Federer had match points back then, Djokovic played lights out tennis. He flat out admit in his press conference, I closed my eyes and I hit that ball as hard as I could. And that's what it looked like he did, and that's what he did. And he hit this screaming winner to save match points. And he didn't do it once, but the fuckers did it twice. I think that's probably when I started calling him the Serbian devil. Um, but this time around, it was it was strictly Federer's errors. It wasn't Novak playing this great tennis. Listen, Scotty, Federer won more points his serve percentage was higher. His second tennis matches are won and lost on the second serve all the time. If you can win the most second serve points, chances are you are going to win that match. Federer's stats were higher in every single category. I mean, in what sport does your loser have more points scored than your winner? When does that ever even happen? Tennis is so incredibly fucking cruel that way. And it's witchcraft. Oh Jesus it's Christ! Like you know what it might be. I I bet that goddamn Serbian devil had a little fucking voodoo doll in his bag and poking Fed's arms on a changeover. No, I don't really believe that. I'm not quite that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that. We're gonna let you cool off. <laughs> We're gonna let you cool off, but but you know what? I'll pay. That had I'm a me hot. I, I did bet you that Fed would not beat Rafa. I'm a man of my word. I would pay up. So whenever you're in town, you're gonna to be in the town for the Western and Western and the, uh, the Western Open. In like yeah, a few I, weeks. I'm, I'm hoping to be. Yes, I'm hoping to be. Okay. Well, I'll tell it then. How about that? Oh yes, you, you will. And my wife will be <laughs> about making no such thing. So. Uh, <laughs> 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 it gets both turns, get time to laugh at me. Hey, uh, right quick, we're, right, well, right quick, we'll, we'll get you a one more thing to ask you. What should we look for for the U.S. Open? Um, what, 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 what things should, should, should folks be paying attention to for the next major? So for the next major, um, this. So Wimbledon gave us the opportunity to see some big stars pair up for doubles. We had Venus Williams and Francis TFO. We had Serena Williams and Andy Murray. We had, um, I can't remember who else. Cause you know, I just, I love the black people. I'm hoping <laughs> that <laughs> I'm hoping that we see more of that in New York. I, I am. Um, I want to see, I want everybody to watch out for the young Canadian, um, Felix Aguilar Alasemi. He is young and he is fierce and I am excited, so excited about him, um, for the women. I don't know if Coco Goff is going to play. Because like we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit before, they can only play so many tournaments, but it would be really fun um, if she could play there. I hope that she does. And I would love to see her back up what she did at Wimbledon. I think her game will um, match up really nicely. Um, I would love to see Serena do well at the U.S. Open, but she just has such a nasty history there. I almost want to see her lose early and fizzle out so that we don't even have to deal with the hype of is Serena going to have another meltdown in another U.S. Open final? Is Serena going to get to 24? Like, I don't even want to deal with that. Um, 
it, that just it will be ugly. Um, but I, I think there are some young people who who can make a and have a good run there. So I'm excited about that. Um, you should watch out for who does well in Montreal and Toronto and um, in Cincinnati. Those will be the big tournaments to show us where everybody's at before the U.S. Open. Right. Coolness. Well, thank you, sis. Look forward to hoping you're welcome. The open so I can pay up. Indeed. Fucking <laughs> indeed. <laughs> All right, take care of this. <laughs> That's the read from Hero Tennis Fans YouTube podcast. Now, let's bring in my man, one half of the Weekend Adjustment Sports Radio Show uh, here in town. The one and only Kevin McEwen to talk NBA, namely the Westbrook and CP3 trade that still has me scratching my head. What's going on, my man? How are you doing? Uh, doing good, Scott. How are you? I'm recovering from muting myself early in the podcast. Like I literally started the show off, and I was doing my intro and everything, and I did not know that for three minutes I had myself on mute. On myself. Oh, no. So thankfully, yeah, I know, right? So basically, people heard Dice Pineapples, the musical, the musical version of Dice Pineapples. <laughs> Bobby Jamming to him, wondering when the hell is the host going to say a word? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not making that same mistake now. I love my lessons, so I saved it from that. So thankfully, that's not going to happen. Um, but before I get further. Off the rails. Um, let's talk Russell Westbrook CP3 trade, shall we? Um, yeah. I don't know how shocked you were about this, my uh, my man. It's like, okay, if you're the Houston Rockets, first of all, and you're looking for a sucker to take Chris Paul's terrible contract, I say terrible mm-hmm. because he's a, still a great player, but he's on the downside and he's old. Right. I don't have the numbers in front of me. He's old, like. Over 30-plus over the next three years, I think 40 in his last. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, I think, I think it's $170 million of, yeah, over the, over the last few years of contract. So, um, and so basically, you, get, you, find, you manage to find a sucker to take his contract, but to take back Russell Westbrook in return. Now, I love Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook. You love Russell Westbrook. A lot of people love Russell Westbrook. But mm-hmm. the thing is, his contract. Not only that, but the fact that he and Jim Harden, I know they're boys, I know they love each other like brothers, they're essentially the same guy. So mm-hmm. you're basically going to have two dudes who have high usage rates on right. the same squad. I don't know how the hell this is going to work, so please help me out. You're the NBA guy. In my, how is this going to work? <laughs> No, uh, no, I'm uh, I'm tracking with you. I mean, if you if you look at just their usage rates over the last five years, I think they they have the two highest usage rates in the NBA, and the, yes. uh, usage right. rates being being that they have a possession that either you know ends in uh, what a a made basket, a free throw, or a assist or a turnover, right? Um, right. And so I think mean, in uh, 2016, 2017, Westbrook had a a usage rate of 41.7%, which was the highest in NBA history. And then in 2018-19, not to be outdone, Harden had the second highest in NBA history of 40.5%. Now they're going to share a backcourt together. Um, so like you said, they are, they're two very similar players. 
Um, and I know Harden has said at this point that he's going to play off the ball more, that he's going to, you know, go back to more of a pro- prototypical, like, shooting guard role. But I think when okay. his game has developed to what his game has developed to be within the last few years, I think that that's going to be easier said than done. Um, let's not kid ourselves as great as James Harden is. Uh, his game is not that of Clay Thompson, where he's not, you know, just a stand-in-the-corner right. shoot, shoot guy. Um, right. So, so yeah, it, it is I, – I don't know really – I don't have an answer for how it's going to work. You know, you pose that, but it really is trying to fit a square peg and round hole with these two guys. Um, if you just look at their drive percentages, um, I think Russell Westbrook, number one in the NBA at 701 passes on drive. So that's good, right? Uh, he passes a lot when he drives. The Harden does too. He was fourth in the NBA at 475. Um, Westbrook passes on 52.8% of his drives. Harden passes on 31.1%. Um, so again, very, very similar players. Uh, and, and Westbrook, the dude is a 29% three-point shooter career-wise. That's as as much as people say he's going to be a great fit in D'Antoni's system, and I think he will as far as dribble drive, penetrate, and kick to the corner for guys that can make threes. I, I don't think we've ever seen D'Antoni or Mark D'Antoni have a a point guard run his system that uh, was as inconsistent a three-point shooter as what Russell Westbrook has been throughout his career. So that'll be another interesting right. challenge. Here's here's the the kicker I think Scott when it comes to these two sharing a backcourt. Um, I gave you all the numbers on on their drives, their pass percentages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And that that might not mean a whole lot to a whole lot of people. Uh, both guys like to drive. Both guys like to pass. But both guys average seven turnovers a game, um, and which is you know two of the highest turnover rates in the NBA. So. Yeah, if if Harding is true to his word and, and stays off the ball more, his number's going to go down. But if we look at who they are right now, who they've been really the last half decade or so, uh, the two of them pairing up, that's that's the the one thing that you, you have to factor into the equation with all the points that they're going to get, with all the assists that they're going to get, with all the threes that I'll say Harding's going to hit, uh, you're looking at 14 turnovers a game just between the two of them. So – it's right. gonna it's gonna be weird to see how how D'Antoni um, works it out and if Harden really can be a man of his word and adjust his game uh, to playing more of a pure shooting guard role. Uh, I think Westbrook Westbrook is who he is. Uh, if, if anyone's gonna adjust their game, it's gonna be Harden. Westbrook is. Uh, I I think he is who he is. He's gonna dribble. He's gonna drive. He's gonna penetrate. He's gonna kick. Uh, he's gonna look to get to the free throw line. Um, I, I don't think there's any adjusting for him. Um, but like you said, they're bros. Uh, Harden wanted this deal. Uh, Westbrook is his guy. Uh, Westbrook, um, in one of the places he wanted to go is Houston to be with Harden. Um, and all that being said, uh, if you look at just the history of the NBA, when two guys have averaged a usage percentage of over 30 and been on the same team, uh, I think I want to say there's been five teams in NBA history that have done that. I think uh, I want to say three have made three have made the finals, um, and one's made the conference finals. And then I think the only one not to make the playoffs was like the 1986ers. I, I'd have to look at it, but that, I just saw that stat earlier. So 
it's not the end of the world that you have two guys with such high usage percentages. Uh, it's been done before. Shaq, Kobe, um, uh, there's a few others uh, throughout the history of the league, but it's going to be a real interesting fit with these two for sure. Yeah, you know, someone said, and maybe it was a Chris Broussard on, on, on the Fox Sports 1, um, mm-hmm. maybe that maybe that toying would, like, stagger both uh, Harden's and Westbrook's minutes. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like they'll start the game mm-hmm. together, obviously. But I think right. they'll maybe give whoever a blow first and let the other one stay in the game and get cooking. And then let the other, the other dude come in for the other star. You know, so they so they since you have two playmakers on the floor, well, one at least one playmaker on the floor at all times. So I, I think that's okay. how I, I think that's how D'Antoni's going to do it. It's just that Russell can't shoot. <laughs> that's the only thing. I mean, right. sure they have. I think they got PJ Tucker coming back. I think they have mm-hmm. uh, a couple. Of, I, I think so, they have also yeah, Capella. Yeah, Clint Capella's coming back. So basically, the other guys I mentioned before, Capella, they can hit the three. They're small mm-hmm. shooters and they play good defense. I, I and plus, but and, and it works because Russell at least will drive and kick. So right. I mean, and Russell, would, Russell's great in the pick and roll game, which is gonna. Sorry, yeah. I just I, I was saying Russell's great in the pick and roll oh. game, and that's gonna really. I mean, uh-huh. that's gonna be great for Tucker and Capella because they're two really good pick and roll bigs. Right, right, and, and that's the thing. So that's gonna be hella fun to watch. And plus, I mean, Westbrook, if you think about it, in OKC, he didn't have any spot three-point shoots that he could rely on. You know, mm-hmm. not, not like right. snipers like a Tucker, having Tucker and, and then Austin Rivers. Um, but, you know, I mean, I just, I just, I just want to – so basically you said Harden would have to adjust, right? Is that what you said earlier, that Harden would have to adjust? Yeah, that, to Russell's game? Harden, and he, he said he would, and I think out of the okay. two of them, I think he, he's the one that has to, yeah. Yeah. So basically, so how would he go about? Um, so, I'm, I'm, I mean, Harden could get his own shot. So maybe that could right. work in that regard. He'll 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 just run off some screens, get the shot. It, I, I guess to your point, I guess that would have to work that way. You made a good point because I because to your point, Russell Westbrook is who he is. He he right. passed the ball a lot. He likes to drive and to create. So I think I'm I'm thinking Harden would like that, but. Here's mm-hmm. the only thing, though. The dynamics have changed so much that play to get an OKC. Like, both mm-hmm. of them have been MVPs. Both of them right. have been that are that dude now. So, I just, I mean, when they were playing together before, they were up and coming, but they're obviously not what they are now. They're both superstars. Right. And so, I, right. I'm, again, they love each other like brothers. And, you know, they, they, they wanted to play together. Then, so I'm assuming they're going to try their damage to make it work, to your point. And maybe Harden mm-hmm. will have to play off the ball for a while. But, again, I just that's the only way I can see this working, though, because if two ball-dominant dudes on the same squad play in such the same position, I, I, just, I just don't know, brother. I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be interesting. And, and Harden will have to be the one that adjusts. And, you know, I – I, I don't think it's, it's not outside of Harden's game to be able to hit a spot up three, but it's just sure. it's not exactly who he's been in recent memory. And so, in going back to their days in OKC, you mentioned this like people have to remember Harden was the sixth man in OKC. 
Like right. that exactly. he wasn't he wasn't a starter with those teams and um he, he was the, he was their scorer off the bench. He came in scored and low that's that's why he left and initially why OKC when they had to choose who they're gonna pay, they chose Durant and Westbrook on their second contracts and let Harden walk because like I said, he right. was a sixth man. He wanted to go have his own team and he did it in Houston. And uh, Scott, excuse me, I did find uh, the article that I'd seen earlier. I, I totally botched this, so I just want to correct myself. Uh, okay. This is from the Ringer. It's overall ten teams. So I was wrong about this. In NBA history, have featured two qualifying players with a thirty percent usage rate or higher. Um, of those ten teams, uh, let's see, five reached the finals, another three reached the conference finals, and the only team to not make the playoffs were the nineteen eighty. San Diego Clippers with World Be Free and Freeman Williams. Um, and let's see, the other the teams that did it were the Westbrook and Durant teams in OKC, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers squads, and then the LeBron and, and D. Wade Heat team. So, Yeah, wow. So, I was talking about, but you went to World Be Free. That is a throwback name if there is one. <laughs> you know, World yeah. Be Free. That's 80s, 70s, 80s basketball at its finest. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – I mean, I, I think I don't think this trade would be a disaster. I think this. I just, I'm just wondering how it would work. I mean, if, the more I think about mm-hmm. it, the more we talk about it, the more I can see it working because you got mm-hmm. two guys who really want to be together, who mm-hmm. really want to make it work. Right. So that makes a whole hell of a difference right there. I like Chris right. Paul and James Harden. Right. That got crazy in a hurry, didn't it? Uh, <laughs> so. Um, right. Yeah. So do you think OKC hangs on to CP3? Uh, because I, I, I still think that they're going to unload them. I think they're in rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're waiting for someone to get a better trade off for them, which is why they're starting to, to hold on to them. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the future of Chris Paul and Oklahoma City? Yeah, ultimately, I don't think I don't think Chris Paul wants to be there, uh, and I don't think OKC really yeah. wants him to be there. I think OKC, by in all these moves that they've made, they've signaled that you know they're in rebuild mode. Uh, if all of their protections yeah. work out in their favor, they're going to have I think 14 first round picks by 2026. Uh, so you know, just the next seven years. Yeah. Again, there there are protections that again have to fall in their favor for that to happen. But regardless, they're going to have a lot of first round picks coming up, and they made this deal not to get Chris Paul. Chris Paul's contract made the Russell Westbrook, you know contract tradable uh so that's why those two were moved in the deal to make the money work but okc was after the two first round picks that they got in the deal and i think ultimately you know uh with with the young assets that they have and then also getting shea giglis alexander from the clippers in the in the uh, paul george trade I think he's the guy they really want to build around as far as their point guard of the future. And, um, he, you know, he had a pretty decent rookie year for the Clippers last year. And I think so. OKC is going for a youth movement. And you don't go for an, a youth movement with a 34, you know, to be 35-year-old Chris Paul. Um, but, yeah, I right. agree with you. I think that they – I think they want to unload him. I think if, if everything that you've read is true, um, Houston was trying to find a third team – OKC, they were trying to find a third team to make it work that would take on Chris Paul uh, in the deal initially. And when they couldn't get it done, I think OKC pulled the trigger, number one, just to get those two first-round picks that they are, they're going to have coming back to them in the deal. Um, I I think everyone kind of thought it was going to be the Heat uh, because the Heat had, yeah. you know, not only, not only could they make the money work, but 
it was going to be, you know, it was a bit, another star to pair with Jimmy Butler. Um, but then I saw a report, I think 50 minutes before uh, your show was scheduled to air, um, I wanted to bring it up, that the Heat are not interested at this point in Chris Paul. They're not actively pursuing him. So I think that really limits okay. uh, the number the number of teams that might be going after him. Um, what I don't think OKC will do, and I think this is uh, to the chagrin of Lakers fans out there, is I do not think they'll buy Chris Paul out. Um, I think that if Miami seemed like they were the they were the team that they they were going to be able to make this work with, and now that they're out of it, like I said, I think if you look at cap situations and you look at teams that might be interested, there might be another two or three teams in the league that might have some level of interest in Chris Paul. But if they're not able to move him this summer, I think they're going to be okay going into the season with him. Um, I think that they. I think they would see buying him out. Number one, I mean, just financially, it would be insane to take on a guy just to get the draft picks, buy him out of this outrageous contract, and then get no more value for him other than that. You know, we're not talking about J.R. Swish here. You know, we're talking about uh, Chris Paul and the Cavs held on to uh, to Smith there until the final day, uh, trying to get something for him. So, um, I don't think it's going to be a buyout situation. Uh, if I was a betting man and I had to make a prediction right now, I'd say OKC will start the year with Chris Paul on the roster. And I think as injuries happen mm-hmm. and as contenders kind of fall into place, by the trade deadline I think is when we'll see him move. That, and that might be good for uh, for them anyway, for Shea Giggles Alexander to have a, a half a year under Chris Paul. I, I doubt CP3 is going to want to take a mentor role, you know, uh, anyway, at this point in his career, he, he's looking to win win titles. But uh, just to be around him, I think, would be good for Alexander for half a year. And so ultimately, um, and I could be wrong, they might move him tomorrow, but ultimately if I had to make a prediction, I think uh, Paul does start the year in OKC, um, just with the report that Miami is no longer interested. And then uh, around the trade deadline is when we'll see him moved. You know what? Uh, I think that if Chris Paul was on the team <clears> – <throat> Like, and this is far-fetched, but follow me for a minute. What if, mm-hmm. what if OKC does a Simon trade, Chris Paul, okay. to Philadelphia for, uh, for Ben Simmons, since he signed the max? I think that Chris Paul would be almost perfect for a team like Philly because they can shoot and be. Mm-hmm. He's a true point guard who can get everyone in their position. And he won't be clogging mm-hmm. the lane for the likes of Joel and Bead and company. And plus, he has a right. shooter, and, um, and, and I forget the name that the guy who just signed. Like, so Tobias Harris and Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that won't it won't happen. I'm just saying that would right. be almost a damn near perfect trade for OKC to 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 move oh, yeah. to move up and to get to get with a guy like Ben Simmons who can't he doesn't have he doesn't have have a jump shot outside of ten feet, but. Hey, you got a match. <laughs> oh, well, he hit uh, he hit two threes. Uh, he hit two threes. Uh, Tobias Harris said in uh, in practice the other day, two in a row. So, oh. um, yeah. Um, but uh, I guess yeah, some nice. some work out there. Uh, but yeah, no, Ben Simmons still has never hit a three in the NBA. So that is it's an oddity for for a point guard. Um, I think from a basketball standpoint, that suggestion makes a lot of sense. Um, I think. If there was, if that was to ever come to any realm of reality, obviously OKC would probably have to include some of those 14 first-round picks going back to Philadelphia, uh, just because of the age gap between Simmons and Paul. But um, 
Right. But yeah, I mean, as, as far as playing alongside Harris and Embiid and guys that can that can shoot, yeah, I think Chris Paul would be would be a better fit. You're right. Simmons does tend to clog the lane, and uh, he offers uh, well. I was going to say very little, but I think we can say next to nothing as a shooter because again, he's never made a three point shot in his career. So, right there you go. And 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 you know what though, we'll, we'll close out on this. We haven't. I, I didn't talk to you guys last week regarding like well. The the, the 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 week that was the NBA hot stove league just went in crazy overdrive. I mean, KD, oh, yeah. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Durant, Kyrie to Brooklyn and stuff. My beloved Knicks, which I'm still in mourning over that. Um, and then <laughs> you know Kawhi to the Clippers. Not only that, but Paul George was able to go to the Clippers in the deal with OKC for another for part of that 14 protected first round pick. So, how crazy was it for you that you hear the news sat early Saturday morning that Kawhi not only was to join him as a Clipper, but Paul George was able to join him as well, getting out of OKC with three more years left on his deal, three more years <laughs> left on the big contract. That's still shocking to me. Oh, you know, that was – I mean, that was insane. And the news dropped around 2.30 in the morning, you know, on uh, – was yeah. that Saturday morning, I guess, technically. And mm-hmm. just by happenstance – like, I, I I never stay up late anymore. I got an eight-month-old. Um, most nights I'm in bed before 11 anymore. But just by chance that night, <laughs> for whatever reason, I was still awake. And, you know, see, I saw it come across – Twitter and everything breaking, and I was like, "Dang it!" I was just about to go to bed, and <laughs> you know, like I can't get to bed now. I gotta, I gotta follow and see see everything that that happened and transpired here. Um, but no, that was insane. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, wannabe uh, reporters though that uh, got got pretty humbled because uh, if if you followed the whole Kawhi saga just throughout the course of those six days, uh, he had signed with the Lakers, he had signed with the Raptors, everything was. Uh, set in stone, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, and, and done. Um, multiple reports, multiple reporters saying those things, and uh, it's just hilarious that in the end uh, he, he was patient and, and ended up going where he had wanted to go from the beginning, and everyone from Chris Broussard on was saying the Clippers were out of it as early as, I think, Monday of that week because they had failed not only to get uh, Jimmy Butler or Kevin Durant, but really anybody in free agency and, uh, you know, and I, I think I, I was looking at it from just, you know, to borrow from Sherlock Holmes, an elementary perspective. Like, there's no way Kawhi's going to the Clippers to play with, you know, Gallinari and Landry Shamit. Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that, uh, you know, it kind of had these undertable discussions and, and the, you know, was able to convince – Paul George to force the trade is just insane. But, I, you know, it, it's going to be a ton of fun for NBA fans because there is there is a level of parity now within the league. It, it's So many teams it's have two open. stars. Yeah, it, it really is. Right. It's, it's as wide it's open wide as it's open. been in a long time. And, yeah. you know, I'm personally just looking at all these duos across the league, I'm like, come on, EA Sports, let's, let's, let's make another NBA jam. You know, like – um, so, uh, so again, those two on two squads would, would be great. Um, but you know, it's just absolute insanity. I think the NBA does a fantastic job of, and of 
promoting itself in the off season and and this was as exciting a sports season as there's been so far in you know 2019 and this it was just the NBA off season so but yeah it was a, a, definitely a thrilling week for sure yeah so it's i mean if you have i mean let's put you have LeBron, in LA alone Los Angeles alone you have LeBron James Anthony Davis and the mm-hmm. better squad around them in Los Angeles well, well, mm-hmm. well, from the Lakers, and then the Clippers. You have the same squad who took Golden State full strength to six games in a tough first round mm-hmm. series. Now you add Kawhi and Paul George. Then right. you still have you have Milwaukee. You have the trade from Milwaukee. Uh, what's his name? Malcolm Brogdon to Milwaukee. I mean, to Indiana. So now you have right. Malcolm mm-hmm. Brogdon. And uh, uh, Victor Oladipo becomes like healthy mm-hmm. in Indiana. Then you have, mm-hmm. of course, Brooklyn with Kyrie and KD. Then you have Boston, which still has good young players, and mm-hmm. Kimball Walker to go along with that, and maybe a healthier uh, uh, um, um, uh, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Mm-hmm. And then you have, as if it was crazy in Philly, not only you have Ben Simmons, Andrew and B, now you have Al Horford to go along with that. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy, and then Toronto is still decent. They they do have uh, uh um you know uh Kyle Siakam Lowry. Gasol yeah Lowry right. right and Siakam and and company it's going to be bananas man mm-hmm. it's going to be bananas no, the saying. NBA is going to be we, bananas we need a new NBA jam bring it back I don't know why that video game everyone plays <laughs> but bring it back this is the time to bring it back. Oh, you, we get, a, I mean, get the two-on-two battle of LeBron and Anthony Davis versus Paul George and Kawhi Leonard played out with uh, flaming basketballs and giant heads. Yeah, I know. He's on fire. <laughs> um, but I'll say what's one thing about this. and Well, two things. A, I was hoping that Jared would be on tonight because so he could gloat about him getting his prediction right about Kawhi joining the Clippers instead of the Lakers. Um, uh-huh. way back when, and also mm-hmm. the Southeast Division is going to be trash. I mean, who's the best out of that lot? Orlando. I mean, Miami. Yeah, with uh, with, with, with Jimmy Butler, but that division is going to be hot garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, that's why my, that's why Miami needs to trade for Chris Paul, even though they said they're not, they're not interested in doing it because they'd be terrible in NBA Jam because you'd only have Jimmy Butler. But um. <laughs> But no, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess, I guess Orlando with Vucevic and all their small forwards and power forwards that they like to collect down there for you know some some reason, so they can have a lot of depth at those positions on the bench. But um, I guess, yeah, I, I maybe um, maybe Butler likes being the alpha again in Miami. Maybe maybe the, I, if I have to pick between Vucevic and Butler, I'm going to go with Jimmy buckets all the way. But uh, right. But yeah, so. and and Spolster is a good coach, so maybe I'll give it to the Heat. But yeah, it's gonna be. I don't know. You're right. Yeah, it's gonna be hot garbage. But anyway, but it's gonna be. At least we'll have more parity. So we're excited about that. At least I'm excited about you. Excited about it. most NBA fans I talked to are so excited about that. So we'll see. But uh, and thanks for joining me, brother. Um, yeah, if definitely. Anything crazy in NBA happens, we'll sure talk again. I'm sure. <laughs> Alrighty, sounds good, Scott. Have a good one. All right, take care, my man. Peace out. That's my guy, Kevin McClune. Please check him and Jared Singleton out on the Weekend Adjustment Sports Radio Show every Saturday here 
locally in Cincinnati, Ohio. On fourteen fifty the ticket. Thank y'all for tuning in and thank you for putting up with my lack of awareness with the mute button three minutes, first minutes of the podcast. But anyway, this got work turn off. Oh six. Have a good night. Mute that time. Peace out. Take care. <laughs>